God can take the bad and completely turn it around and just smash the devil. Just completely smash his plan, his, his efforts, and he's sitting there going, what just happened? What just happened? I'll tell you what happened. God just happened. God just walked in the room and flipped it, changed it, rearranged it, and now somebody who was down, down, down at the, in the pit is now being able to witness and tell people about the goodness of God, and I, he's changed my life, and a good thing is coming from this. Today I want to speak to you about this. I want to talk about a, having a desert encounter, a desert encounter, and so Many of you went through this with the Daniel fast, and I, I was hesitant about putting this word up there because there's only one letter that changes that from desert to dessert. <clears throat> and I know that many of us have been on that Daniel fast and we're off of it, so don't get in your... I've already put it in your mind now. You can't see it. A dessert encounter. I've had those dessert encounters, and I will tell you what, when you're in the desert, it's a great thing when God pulls you out of the desert and then there is something greater for you on the other side. Maybe we'll just call it today some dessert. That was not in the notes, but I'm telling you what. If I can go from desert to dessert, that's a good day. That's a good day. All right, turn, turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19. I had no intentions at all, I promise you, when God was giving me this thought on what to speak to you today about the desert. But it just so happens God had a plan I believe that we're going to be speaking to you today and reading some story and scripture from the, the very next chapter from where we, we taught from last Sunday, which was 1 Kings chapter 18. And anybody remember that about calling down some fire from heaven? Yeah, there was that. You know, there's that. You know, remember that time? Can you, can you imagine having a conversation with somebody and saying, hey, you remember that time we were around all those people? They thought they were serving the real God and... You had them, remember you, you had them dig a trench and like fill it up with water and more water and, and you called down fire from heaven. You remember that? Can you imagine if you had those memories? Now we have some awesome memories here at Covenant Church. You remember that time we were praying around the altar and uh, <clears throat> man, Spencer Barnett and some different ones. I'm talking about God was moving. It was a mighty move of God and boom, the power went out and it just went dead silence and black and then the power came back on and it was like, whoa, what's going on? And it's just some, and then there's another time that I can remember where we're praying and a move of God and it's good to have those powerful moments, those memories. You need to have some Holy Ghost memories. It doesn't need to always be, oh, remember that vacation. Oh, remember that Christmas. Remember that time that I bought you that diamond ring. Remember that time that we had that amazing steak out in a, in a town. And remember that bike ride that we went on. Or remember that car that I bought you. Every once in a while, you need to be able to look at your family and say, Son, remember that time that you were praying at the altar and I laid my hands on your back? And God moved, moved on you in a mighty way. You remember that? You remember how you felt, son? You remember that? Hey, daughter, do you remember that time that we were in the in the car and you begin to open up to me and God did a he made a change in your life it was that moment I remember that moment that he made a change in your heart and he, you gave your heart to God and, and you begin to tell me things and I begin to tell you things and share with you my testimony and your testimony there needs to be some spiritual memories made some Holy Ghost memories some, some God moments God moments I want to read to you 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 3 eight and I'm not going to go through the whole story but I will touch on it just enough to where you will get the point here Elijah was afraid now he's afraid because he's running from Jezebel and he's running from people that want to kill him Elijah was afraid and ran for his life when he came to Beersheba in Judah he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert he came to a broom tree sat down under it and prayed that he might die I have had enough, Lord. He said, I've had enough. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, 
for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate, he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds. Let us receive your mighty word. Lord, your, your word is so mighty and it's so powerful. It will change a man who is hard in his heart. Lord, I pray that you will change a hard-hearted man, a hard-hearted woman, somebody that has been closed off to you, maybe somebody who is in a desert place, somebody is in a dry place. Lord, I pray that you would open up the wells, open up the springs of life. Lord, let this living water that you offer to us flow right now in the name of Jesus in the spirit realm, Lord. Open up our hearts. Let us see that this is real. It is not a fairy tale. It is the real deal, and Lord, we want it. We've got to have it. We need more of it. And everybody give praise to God right now because it's real. It's real. He wants to do a real thing right now. So we've got to get through four and a half pages of notes so that he can get it done. No, we don't. God can do it right now. If you're in your, in your seat right now and you need something, you're in a desert place, you're in a dry place, you can pray under your breath right now. And you say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. Get to the altar call. Get to the, I, I need it, Lord, I need it, I'm in a dry place. And you begin to pray right now and begin to get your heart ready. And you say, Lord, I, when the time's right, I'm fixing to break free. I'm ready to break free, I'm ready to get out of this desert. I'm ready to get out of this dry place. I'm in a dry place, God, you know it. Lord, I need the wellsprings of life. Lord, I need your living water in Jesus' name. And you pray that right now while we're preaching. Listen a little bit while you're praying, though, if you don't mind. <clears throat> A desert encounter. So I want to talk to you a little bit about some deserts. And I'm going to have to get a little sip of water here real quick. Maybe it's just because I'm talking about deserts. Maybe it's a mental thing. I think it has something to do with the uh, drink that I drank this morning. Uh, anybody ever had a Celsius? You, anybody like those? They're, Celsius, it's, a, it's like a healthy energy. Man, it made my mouth so dry. I'm like, my goodness, did y'all put cottonseed oil in there or what? I don't know. Maybe a little uh, cellulose. I don't know what they put in there. It feels like I have wood chips. So I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it in Jesus' name. All right, let's just talk about a couple of deserts. I, I begin to study about deserts, and I, I remember uh, as I'm remembering what I studied here, the first desert that I looked up, and I, I just, this is how my mind thinks. I'll, if I'm going to look, look up about deserts, I want to look up the biggest, baddest desert there is. I didn't know about the Lute Desert, the Lute Desert, which is spelled L-U-T, and the Lute Desert has an all-time high temperature there of a, get ready for it, 159.3 degrees. That is way past the complaining and moaning and groaning that we do where we're like, it's East Texas, man. It's hot here in East Texas. It's muggy. Forget muggy. I'm talking about you step out in that. You forget muggy. You just die. 159.3 degrees. That was back in 2005. An extremely dry place. An extremely hot place. In the middle of that desert, in that time, there's no, no one's living out there. No one's living out there. There is a desert that is extremely hot, and people live in this desert called the Sahara Desert. The Sahara Desert, where people actually live, and I've got a couple of pictures I want to show to you of a place where people live, and they are having a good time. And, and you know, the reason they live here, because it is quite a bit cooler. It's only 136 degrees. <laughs> so it's much cooler I mean, you got 159 that's just unbearable. But, you know, 136 degrees, you can set up a big tent, like a big blanket right there, you know, and you open up the front, get a little airflow, 136 degree airflow. It's not that bad. You know, you got to have the walls up every once in a while. And then, the, you know, you, know, you want to go to the store or just go down to the next uh, camp or uh, go down and see your neighbors or your family. You hop on the camels and... You follow the trails. Now, we don't want to go to that one yet, but I will go. Just leave it. That's okay. You can leave it there. That is the broom tree. I looked up the broom tree because it says that uh, he prayed and he, he, that God would take his life. He said, I've had enough 
And then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep, but it was a broom tree. And so I, I was like, well, I got to, I just, my mind's rolling. I'm like, I want to know about this. I got to find out about this. So I look up that broom tree and I'm like, wow, that's, that's really not that much shade. <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I thought, because I was thinking, oh, a broom tree, any tree, I'm thinking that's got to be some relief from this heat because I'd already looked up how hot it can get in these deserts. And then I saw that and I'm like, man, that's a lot of sun coming through with the shade that's supposed to be there. And so it began to tell me, I just began to think about how it, it just really didn't get much better. It didn't get much better. And he's already scared. He's already worried. He was so scared that he had a servant with him. The, the, the Word of God says that he left his servant. And he said, hey, I'm out of here. I don't know if he, the guy was too slow or what. But he left him. And I don't know if he left him in this sense where he said, hey, you stay here. And I'm going to go another day's journey. Or was it this? Was it, you're too slow, they're going to kill me, and I'm running for my life, and I'm scared. And he was so much faster than him that he ran, and he got a whole day ahead of him. You know, they got a saying out there, when you're in the woods and you're trying to survive and there's a bear after you, they're like, you don't have to be the fastest person in the woods, or you don't have to be able to uh, outrun a bear. Excuse me, I'm getting this wrong. You don't have to be able to outrun a bear. You just got to be able to outrun your friend. So he's going to stop and get a little appetizer snack. And depending on your friend, he may get the full meal and be good. Be like, oh, you know, man, good, keep going. I'm good. I got legs and thighs here. And uh, I, got, I, got an eight piece, I got an eight-piece meal right here with a biscuit. And, you know, I'm good. You keep on running. I'll get you next time, though. Hey, come back to Yosemite, Yellowstone. I'll, be, I'll, I'll holler at you later. Just running. Elijah was running for his life. Whether he left him there and said, stay here and I'm going to go a day's journey, or whether he outran him and went a day's journey, he was a full day ahead of him. And he got out in the desert and he said, Lord, I have... He just got to that point. Have you ever been at that point where you're like, man, I just can't even take it anymore. I've had enough. Now, I hope that nobody has said this, but I do realize this is real life. This is a reality. Some people have even said, Lord, just kill me. And some people have even tried to kill themselves. I run across it in my job sometimes. And it is a tragic thing. It's a sad thing. The last one that I was on, there's a man on the side of the street. And he has cut his wrist so deep that his fingers and hand will not even function. He did it for real. It wasn't no scratch. Hey, I need some attention. Let me just lightly touch it with a pencil lead or something. No, it was like, wow. He couldn't even close his hand. And he's crying and crying and crying. And let me tell you what, your pastor, <laughs> I will pray for people on the scene. Other medics there, I don't care. Firemen, I don't care. We're praying. I don't care. If there's a piece of paper that comes through the chain of command that says, Mr. Driver, you are now written up. I'll say, all right, cool. I hadn't been written up yet, so I'm like, you know what? I'm at least good for at least one or two write-ups in my career. I'm like, now I'm closer to the end of my career in that, in that job. And I'm like, dare, I dare you. <laughs> I dare you. It's almost like I want to get one. That's the, the, all right, I got to be careful. I got to be careful. One has to wonder, why would you live in a desert dry place? I wonder, you know, especially maybe back in the old times, Maybe they didn't have Encyclopedia Britannica. Maybe there wasn't any magazines floating around in the desert. There's like, oh, wow, a, an oasis with beaches. Oh, there's mountains with snow and, and cool weather. Maybe they didn't know. Now they know. There's World Wide Web. There's Internet. I bet you there's some out there with satellite phones. They're in the middle of the desert, and they're out there doing this, TikTok. They're in the Sahara Desert. Watching Instagram and YouTube videos about honey, you believe this? Look at this. <laughs> Go feed the camels and quit watching Instagram. The camels need water. But I was just watching. Uh, okay. Promise you it's happening. 
So they know there's another world out there. They know there's some places it's a little bit cooler than 125, let's see, 136 degrees in the Sahara Desert. It's known. Yet, they still choose to live in a desert dry place. Maybe it's because they were raised there. Maybe it's because they were born into that. Maybe it's because that's all they were ever taught. But I'm telling you today, if you've been to Covenant Church long enough, you know through the teaching and the Word of God and the preaching and the classes that are offered here, there is a better life. There is something greater than what you are in right now. If you are miserable, it's your fault. If you are without hope, it's your fault. Because I'm telling you, I, I, I know the one that I serve, the way maker, the miracle worker. That's who I serve. And I tell people, and I tell people, and you hear about it. And miracle signs and wonders and deliverance and people getting rid of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And dealing with, it's, it's not a thing to deal with it all your whole life and keep dealing with it. Being in a desert dry place your whole entire life. And it's, it's your fault. Because deliverance is here. Deliverance is here tonight. Deliverance is here. If you need deliverance from something, you need to come to church tonight. What does that involve? Well, that involves me getting up from a very, very deep nap. When I nap, I mean, I don't take naps. I take sleeps. I nap so hard on Sundays if y'all text me on Sundays, do not be offended. I rarely reply to people until much later in the evening. And when I wake up, it's like, man, my body won't function. It's like, oh, I can't even, my, this is, I'm asleep. I'm paralyzed almost. But people, they don't realize that there's something much greater. And they choose to live in a desert dry place. Knowing that there's a better place. When you know that there's a better restaurant down the road, but yet you settle for McDonald's every day, every night, every day, every night. And you got money. You have money to go to a better place. Listen, I hate to rag on McDonald's because I know some of y'all like you crave it. You love it. And you're like, man, as soon as this Daniel Fest is over, I'm going to get me a double cheeseburger with some fries and a cold Coke. And that's what some people, there was somebody that was thinking about that like, I just can't wait to get some McDonald's. I'm telling you, for those that were doing that, there's something better. There's something better. But you just don't know, man. And I can count on it, man. It's the same every time I go there, man. They never mess it up. That meat and that cheese, it's melted just right. And, man, you, it, it's always just right for me. It's exactly what I crave. It's exactly what I need. Sound familiar? Maybe the devil has working on some of you so strong and so long. You're like, man, it's exactly what I need. It's exactly what I want. I don't want no more. I don't want no less. Man, he does it just right. He puts it on a plate and he serves it up to me just right. It's exactly what I mean. There's something better. I know you're telling me there's something better but I really like this I've become accustomed to this I've become used to this I like this this is me this is what I want I crave this there's something better there is a, an oasis there's a mountain top where you got to put a jacket on because it's so cold and it feels better than a 138 degree desert where you're dry miserable in a tent made out of blankets it's already hot. My God, we wrap ourselves in a big blanket. Yet they still stay in a desert. I ask you today, what kind of conditions are you choosing to live in or live with? How long would you choose to live in a desert place? Can you survive in the desert? Yes, you can survive in the desert. These nomadic tribes and these people that were raised here, you drop me off in that place right there, dead, three days. Why? Because you can only go three days without water. Where am I going to find water? Ain't nothing but sand hills out here. Sand hills. No water. Find somebody local. Get the local yokel in the Sahara Desert. Hey, man, right over here. Watch this. See this plant? Dig this hole. They know how to find water. I don't know if it involves a plant, but I gotta make, there's got to be some kind of landmark. You ain't that good. <laughs> Just find water in the desert. But they know how to find water. They know how to find that water there. I cannot survive there in the desert. 
But there are people that can survive in the desert. You can be in a desert dry place and be surviving. You're getting by. You're burning up. Sweating all day long. Living in a blanket tent. Miserable. And just surviving. Just Hey, would you like, hey, get your whole family. Move to a place where there's a nice spring, where there's a nice, yeah, y'all get on your camel, start riding. You go far enough, you get into a place that's a little cooler. Nah, we're good, we're going to stay here. Why? Because this is where I was born and raised. This is my family. We've always done it like this. We've never really raised our hands in church. We've never really clapped. I've never really wanted to seek after anything more of God. You know, I got enough God when I was about 10 years old, 11 years old, went down and shook, shook the preacher's hand, had an experience down there. It's been carrying me for a long time. Been a long, yeah, you're right, been a long time. Real long. When was the last time you felt the presence of God in a strong and mighty way where He touched your heart, where He stirred your heart, conviction fell, and tears started streaming down your cheeks, and you raised your hands and you said, God, i got to have you. i got to have a relationship with you, God. We can survive, but I don't want to survive. I want to thrive. We've said that many times here. We can survive, yes, but I don't want to survive. I don't want to just get by. I want to thrive. We all encounter our own desert sometime. When you look at Joshua 5 and 6, it's all about uh, having, how we handle this encounter. The children of Israel roamed around the desert for 40 years. I realize, I do know the story, don't get me wrong here, I do realize that was punishment. That was punishment. But I'm going to tell you what, they roamed around in a desert place for 40 years. They had to do that until all of the men that were military age at the time of when they really rebelled against God, until they all died off. And when they all died off, he said, okay, now we can move and go into the promised land. But when I hear that, here's what I see. You deciding to live in a desert dry place. That's fine. If you want to go there, you go there. If I want to go there, I go there. But guess what? I drag everybody with me and my family with me. I'm a, hey, sorry y'all got to live in a desert dry place. But that's on me. And you're my family, and I'm the leader of this home, and y'all are with me. We're going to roam around for 40 years. Man, I'm ready to get out of this desert dry place. Well, I gotta, we're going to be here till I die. Yeah, we're just going to do this right here. Yep. Then you get older, and you got your coat, your cane. And you know, man, you know that some of those young bucks, some of those ones who are like, I'm ready to go to the promised land. I can see it. I'm ready. I'm ready for the blessings of God. Lord, please help my granddad to die. I'm so hot, I am burning up. Lord, please let an affliction fall on him. Let him get some kind of disease that would just take him out early. And they don't even realize God had a plan. It was going to be 40 years, whether they like it or not. How come your granddad died? He's still alive. He's got to die now. 40 years, they're roaming around the desert. So just because you want to be in a dead, dry place, don't think that it just affects just you. There's other people that would rather not be in a 138 degree desert dry place. They would like to be in a, in a place where there's an oasis, where it's an outpouring and a move and the Spirit of God is falling and great things are happening, miracle signs and wonders, deliverance, all the things we talk about at Covenant Church. You need to be in a place like that. And thank God that you're here today. You're here today. I'm really not preaching to you as much, but what I am preaching to is I'm preaching to you to share with others that are in a desert dry place. They are in that desert dry place. you got to find them. God's going to put them right in line with you. They're going to be in your path. You're going to see them at Walmart. You're going to see them in desert places or or different places in their desert place, and that's going to happen. They're going to be right in your path. Recognize it. See it for what it is. It's not just a chance encounter with so many people. If a conversation somehow or another goes to church and you walk away from that conversation and you're just like, man, I just got to kind of play this down, downplay it because I got to get to O'Reilly's to buy some oil or I got, I got to, my day's planned out. I got to get to work. Stop for a minute and realize that God put somebody in your path that's hurting. They're in a desert dry place and they need to hear at least a five-minute testimony from you about what God has done for you. You never know. There's a Josh Morrison here and a Hannah that are coming to church and they're inviting people to church. And I know I always go back to that because it's just like Walmart parking lot for me. And there's others. And you never know 
how God is wanting to use you to pull somebody out of the desert and say, man, I'm telling you, it, there's a place that's better. There's a place that's better for you and your family. Will you wander around for 40 years like the Israelites did? Or will something be birthed in you like John the Baptist? But preacher, what good can come out of the desert? What good can come from me? That was even said of Jesus. Turn with me to John 1. I'm sorry, yes. John, excuse me. I know there's 1st, first, 2nd, first, 3rd John. But we're going to turn to John chapter 1. And I want to read to you verses 44 through 50. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? That's exactly how it was said. I might not have said it with as much force as he said it. He's like, bro, Nazareth? Can anything come good out of Nazareth? I mean, we're talking about Alto. We're talking about Rusk? Jack, for real, Jacksonville? Troop. So you got to start calling out all the names. Like, hey, why are you hating on Alto? Why are you hating on Jacksonville? Go ahead and call out Bullard. Bullard ain't no better. Tyler, Maydale, Dyville. I know you got to know how to say the names. Those of you that are new to East Texas, we, there ain't a town out there out on, off of uh, Highway 110 called Ponta. It's called Ponte. Ponte. We don't drive down to Alto. We go to Alto. Now they got a shirt that goes around that says all to alto together. It's not for the shirt now is not alto together. It's all together. You got to know you just got to be able to speak the language. I'm not going to go over to Little Mexico west of here out at E4 West and go to a great restaurant that we all so many of us love. There's several over there, but it's called Little Mexico. You know, I love to go over there and get the, the okay, get off the matador and cheese enchiladas. We're in church. We're in church. And so there's a great place over there called Palestine. No, Palestine. You spell that S-T-E-E-E-E-E-N, Palestine. But it's spelled Palestine. Well, they're not Palestinians over there. He's like, bro, Nazareth? That's what he's saying. He's like, what in the world? Can anything come from there? Nathaniel asked, come and see. Come, and, come on and look. Come on over here with me. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Oh, miracles, signs, and wonders already happening up in the place. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Oh, man, mind blown. Boom. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. I know you like the fact that I knew you before you came here, but guess what? Bigger things are coming. Bigger things are coming. Greater things are coming than what you just saw right now. But that, you may feel like that. You may feel like how Jesus felt and how many others felt when somebody says, Nazareth, what? Nazareth? You a nasty nazi. You a nasty nazi Nazarite. Like, I almost got to wonder like they had like nicknames for him. I was one of them nazis over there. Nasty, man. They nasty. Nazi. Nat, really, nat, you're telling me this Savior's coming from Nazareth? Why did Jesus... Jesus, I, he could have, God Almighty, when he came in the form of Jesus in a bodily form, he could have absolutely chosen to come in a time when there was air conditioning. He could have come in a time when there was cars and electricity and Teslas that drive themselves. And he could have put himself in the best town. He could have put himself with the best food, with the best people, and been a king amongst kings. Why did he choose to do it the way he did? Because he knew 
that you were going to be in a desert dry place. He knew that there were going to be times that his lovely, beautiful creation, the one that he created, he knew there's going to be some people. There's going to be a time somewhere in Rust, Texas, in Alto, yes, Alto, in Rusk, in Dyville. I'm dying in Dyville. I mean, there's going to be some times when I'm like, man, I am dying. Lord, take me out. Just kill me. I'm going to go out and sit under a tree with no shade. It's like the see-through leaves. The sun's still burning me up. And he knew there was going to be a time when we'd be in a desert dry place. And he said, I want to be able to show them that through me, they can make it. They can make it. God's got some great things coming. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got some great things coming. All right. Now you got to look at him and say, but when I I believe it. I believe it, yeah. I look at my wife sometimes and I'll, she'll, or she'll tell me, she'll say, I love you. And I say, I love you too, but I mean it. <laughs> mm, mm, just, just making things a lot better. Making things a lot better. It's a joke. She knows it's a joke. Men, if your wife's not going to know that's a joke, don't ever say that. <clears throat> little inside info for you. God likes to use those that are the least and are the least likely. Not only are they the least amongst others, among others, they are the least likely. God has done it. He will continue to do it. That's exactly who he likes to use because he doesn't want man to get the glory. He doesn't want man to get the glory. He doesn't want there to be like a seven, eight week prayer revival where there was some big name hot shot pinstripe suit walked in here and the reason somebody, they feel like the reason God touched me, the reason God changed my life is because of that guy and that preacher and I'm going to get prayed for but nobody else can lay hands on me. Nobody else can speak into my life except that guy. Why? Because no, no, no. Don't ever, ever, ever tie anything that's happening to you and into your life to me or her, or any leader in this church, or this church, tie it to a presence, a spirit of God that you can touch in your car, that you can touch on the tractor, that you can touch on the, the, the motorcycle, rolling down the road, wherever you're at. That is what God can use to change your life. It's a, it's a relationship. It's, a, it's an encounter. we got to have that, a desert encounter. Matthew 20, 16, so the last will be first and the first will be last. You put some in a desert dry place and they'll just settle in and wander around for 40 years. Someone like John the Baptist does the exact opposite and births a ministry. Matthew 3 and 1 says this, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. It was already prophesied. Prophesied, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for Him. Isaiah prophesied that it, that it all would start in the desert. You're in a desert place, you're in a dry place, and you think, I can't make it, I'm just trying to survive, I feel like I'm about to die, there ain't no water, and I'm telling you, it's all over with. You need to know that there's stories like this, there are things that were birthed in the desert. He preached in the desert, he baptized in the desert. And a ministry was born in a desert place. There's a reason why God uses these stories. And there's a reason why He lays it out in His Word so plain for us to see. And you have to realize, my marriage is in a shamble. But there is a great, there's something greater. I know there's something greater. Isaiah prophesied that it would all start in the desert. John started. Jesus finished. John knew that there were bigger things that were coming. Know this today. If you're in a desert, the Savior is on the way. And it's a great thing that we give our heart to the Lord. It's a great thing that we go down in baptism and we take on the name of Jesus in water baptism and we're buried in that. We call it the Christian lingo, that watery grave. Why? We, it's likened to it's, as when Jesus was put down in the grave and He rose again and He defeated death, hell, and the grave. Matthew 3 and 11 John says, I baptize you with water for repentance. What he's telling you is, I'm, I'm just starting this. John, as I see it, is like the guy who's over there with the lawnmower. And the men know, how many pumps we got to give on the primer bulb, guys, to get a motor started? It's funny, it's three, yeah. 
Yeah, some are five, some are more. Some are, I'm going to walk away, I'm going to kick it. I hate this more, I'll buy a new one. But we, we get over there in that primer bulb, and we prime that up, and we get this ready, we check the oil, we check the spark plug, and that to me, that's how I see John. Like he said, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just getting this baby ready to fire off. And, and it's, to me, it's Jesus is the, bow. Whoa, we're ready to work now. I'm ready to work. Why? Because I just got the Holy Ghost. I just got the Holy Spirit living inside me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you were good. You, know, you repented. You, you were baptized. You mean there was more? I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, because it is not in man. It's not in a pinstripe suit. It is not in a guy with a black vest and a checkered shirt that's rolled up with some brown shoes and a brown belt. Whoop-de-doo. It's not in me. It's not in me. It's not in my words. It's in the words that come from this Bible, God's Word. He said, he is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not even fit to carry. You talk about esteeming someone highly. If I went to any of you and I said, man, that dude right there, he's a man of God. How much is a man of God? Is he? He's such a man of God, I can't even carry his shoes. That's how, that's how much I esteem him. That's how powerful that John the Baptist knew that Jesus was. He said, I am not even fit to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire there's all there's descriptive terms that had to be used back then because they didn't have everything that we have right now and when you put fire on something it wasn't because you heard it on tiktok and we know that right now all the youth are saying well that's that's fire wow man that that game the other night that was that was fire to me that don't even sound right i'm 47 years old i'm like why don't you just say man that that singer the other day when he was singing he he was on fire because that's what sounds right. Man, he was on fire. No, it was fire. Man, y'all need to learn how to talk. Man, that sermon the other day, Pastor, that was fire. Was it on fire? No, it was just fire. But that's okay. That's okay. Because back in my day, I said stuff like rad. Man, that's, a, that's rad. Word. And I'm sure my parents thought, what are you? You are dumb. I've seen the YouTube videos where you are dumb. You are so dumb. Okay, when I would look at them and go, not, I'm going to sh- just shorten up everything into, I'm not going to do that. I won't do that just to not. And we used to say that, so we can't be hating on y'all. We ain't going to hate on the youth because we did the same things. And back in the 70s and the 60s, everybody had their terms and things they said. And when I look back at what I said, that, that's funny. When we not, not it, no, no, just not. He said, he, fire. He's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He's using that descriptive term because in his mind he's like, I don't know how to describe this. Jeremiah said it's like fire. He said, I don't know how to describe this. I'm just telling you, I'm trying, I'm trying. It's like, man, I don't know how to say it. It's just like if you took fire from the fire pit over there and you know how hot it is and it's like, man, I can't even hardly touch it. It's like that fire and it's like it's shut up in my bones. That's how they're talking to each other. Like, man, so tell me about it. Tell me what happened to you. Man, it's like you took that fire and put it in my bones. And if you had it in my bones, what would it do? I'd be like, ah, whoo, man, wow, wow. That's So we got to ask ourselves, how are we reacting? What are we doing? What are we doing for the Lord? Is it like we have fire shut up in our bones? Because, I mean, because there's others that have been touched with the Holy Ghost, been touched with the Holy Spirit, and it's described as fire, and fire shut up in their bones. Well, yes, I have this Holy Spirit that you speak of. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I was out on my porch, and the good Lord hit me with the gift. It was amazing. I'll never forget it. I'm hungry. Y'all got any snacks? 
I want you to realize I, I, oh, there we go. I was like, I really got scared for a minute. I was like, man, a part of my clothing or something just fell off because I'm not planning on that. And all of a sudden y'all laughed. Okay. This is exactly where we're supposed to put this though. This is exactly, you did perfect because it's the Holy Spirit. It's the living water. That is what will carry you out of the desert. So I wanted to put a picture of this, of this bread up here. My daughter-in-law sent me this picture. There was a video that she sent me too. It just so happens. Last night she sends me a video. And this is some bread that she was making. And she, the little video clip, just it was her opening up the oven. She said, hot bread. She's never made bread before. And she, and she made this last night. And the sermon was uh, kind of coming together, and, and the Lord kind of led me to this scripture and the story, and because everything started around the desert, I was like, God, I just really feel so strong that I don't want people to stay in a desert place. I don't want people to stay where they're at. We've got to we've got to provide them with something and give them some something to pull them out of the desert. He ate and drank. He ate and drank. Look back at First Kings, uh, chapter nineteen. Y'all are reading it. Y'all quit. Quit. Quit getting ahead of me. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 8. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food. Strengthened by that food. Now, this was not some... This was... You can put that loaf of bread back up there. This was not a man-made loaf of bread that he ate. This was not normal water. There is something that's not normal. And, it, and you look at it, you're like, well, you talk about this word, how it's food to my soul. You talk about the Holy Ghost, how it's that living water. And how I can drink of this living water and I'll never thirst again. That doesn't make sense. I don't believe you. Because it doesn't make sense to me. It also doesn't make sense how a man could eat some bread and drink some water... And if you'll read there, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. You need a God meal. You need to be feasting on the Word of God. You need the Holy Spirit. You need that living water. What you can make, that's beautiful. And I'm sure it was great and tasted great with some butter on it. And it was good for a time. But it's such a physical thing. We've got to have more than just the physical. We've got to have the spiritual. We've got to have it. Strengthened by that food. The food is the word. The water symbolizes the Holy Spirit. John 4 and 14. Praise team, y'all come on up. John 4 and 14. But whoever drinks... The water I give him. Whoever drinks the water that I give him. I'm going to tell you, there is a difference between, between drinking and sipping. My wife, well just come on up, since she's coming up here right now. I want you to come on, hurry quickly, come on up here. And I want, this is not a put on, this is not just to make a point. She doesn't even know I'm going to do this, I'm just... I want you to take a drink of the water. That is exactly how my wife drinks water. That's why when she gets sick with the flu or something, we got to go get IVs. <laughs> I want y'all to look at that level. All right. Now, I want you to take another good old gulp, baby. Just take a good old long drink there. That's cool. Oh, yeah. You're good. Thank you. You proved a good point. Hey, but to everybody, hey, if, th if there was a black covering over this and you saw that, you'd be like, oh, she's drinking. She's drinking. She's good. She's drinking. I'm going to show you how to drink. This is how I drink. I need another one. That was a good appetizer. Okay, listen, that's how, that's how we drink. Men, we're thirsty. Don't bring me a bottle of water. Bring me two or three. It was not hard for me to do that. 
I didn't have to strain and stress. I'm telling you, there is a difference between drinking and sipping. There absolutely is a difference. I have enough water in my system right now to carry me probably through at least a half of the day. And here's why I need that living water. It is totally contingent on what kind of a work am I doing? What kind of output? I have to drink like that. When I'm working, I sweat profusely. I'm sweating right now. And I'm telling you, when I work, I drip. When I come home, my wife, bless her heart, she has washed my clothes for years. And I can come home from being outside in the summer, and it's like, just take it and just put it in the washer. I, it is, you're wet. Did you jump in the swimming pool? No, I worked. Completely soaked. I'm putting out. I'm working. I am working my tail off. And I'm telling you, if you are working hard for the Lord, you need to drink. And you need to drink from that living water, that living well. You need more of the Word of God. you got to be able to get out there and work and walk and run for 40 days. Walk for 40 days, for 40 nights. We can't stay in the desert. Why can't we stay in the desert? I can survive in the desert. I've seen others live in the desert. I want to read Luke 11 through 24. It says this. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places. That's a desert place. If you don't know what the word arid means, that's a desert. Arid places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives... It finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that man is worse than the first. Tonight is deliverance. Tonight is a time where you can get deliverance. This is a time where we can lay things down, walk away from things. You need it. I need it. We all need it. Every one of us need it. I encourage each and every one of you to come back tonight. If you don't want to participate, if you just want to be able to work, it's a time of worship and praise. We're going to worship and praise. This praise team is going to be singing. We're going to worship God. It's going to feel like a normal service to you, to many of you. And it's a time to worship and praise the Lord. And so if you don't need it, listen, be here for someone else who does need it. Like I told you before, it does me good when I'm having a rough week and I see somebody else is like, you know what? I'm in it with you. I'm here for the fight. If I know that on March the 20th at 1 p.m. in a Walmart parking lot, Spencer Pate, Crystal Lofton, somebody is going to have an encounter with somebody and there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight for their soul. There's going to be a fight for their life. If I know that it's going to happen, I'm going to be there 30 minutes early, ready to go with my friends. And I'm going to be there with other friends. Listen, tonight, somebody is going to be in a fight for their life, for their soul. Tonight, somebody has said, I can't take it anymore. God, just like Elijah said, he said, I've had all I can take. Lord, just kill me. I've had all, I can't take anymore, God. Just kill me. If I know that one of my brothers or sisters is going to be here tonight and they're going to be going through that, I want to be here with them. I may not need it. Lord, I'm good. I don't even need anything. But I need to be here with them because they need something. They need something from God. I need to be that one to put my hand on their shoulders. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I don't even know the need. Lord, do the work that we cannot do. Lord, do the work that we cannot do. Lord, perform a miracle. Lord, deliver, heal in the name of Jesus. Lord, provide healing in the name of Jesus. And I'm here for my brothers. I'm here for my sisters. Evil spirits work in arid places. The scripture says, in desert places. I looked up the word arid and I could not believe the definition that came up with the word arid because actually I looked it up simply to make sure that I wasn't getting it wrong and just making sure that arid actually meant desert. Kid you not, the word arid also has a definition with it. It it means this also, lacking in interest. Lacking in interest, excitement, or meaning. If you are in a desert place, 
You might not even know it, but you are lacking. You are lacking in interest. You come to church. You're around church. You, but there's not really the interest in this. Excitement. June, it's like, like I said before, man, I don't know how to explain it. What did he do for you, man? It's like he just took fire and he put it in my bones. That's, that's the only way I can describe it. If you are so dull as a Christian, if you are so dull in your heart and you have no excitement, you have no meaning, and you're lacking interest, I'm telling you today, there is a better place. If you can see it in the physical realm, I want you to realize right now, you're living in a spot that is 150 something degrees. And I'm telling you, what I'm doing today is I'm showing you today that there is a mountaintop. Let us all stand. Let us all stand. I'm closing. I'm closing with this. I'm almost through. Give me, give me five minutes. There is a mountaintop. A desert is a low place, a dry place. But you can get up in elevation. There's a, there's a mountaintop where life is enjoyable. You can have a complete and whole and, and happy life. We want, I don't want to wait till I get to heaven. I don't want to wait till I get to heaven. And what can I do? Well, I can repent of my sins. Great, did it. I can be baptized. Great, did it. What else is there? There is coming one. John said there is coming one after me that will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I'm going to tell you what. Somebody needs to be able to look at you and say, that Jason Ray, that Jason Ray, he is fire. He is fire. That brother Mike, man, I don't know what happened to him. He is fire. Is he on fire? No, man, he's fire. He is fire. Watch out. He's hot. I want to be fire. I want to be hot. I want to be where people come to me and say, man, I just, I don't know what's up with you, but you seem like you're fired up all the time. Yes, because I am now fire. I want to be on fire for Jesus. If I'm not on fire, if I'm lacking in excitement, if I'm lacking in interest, ask yourself that. Be honest with yourself and know that there is a, a much better place, a much better place. I'm encouraging each and every one of you today to get out of that desert place. I close with this. Go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. Bear with me, I'm having to flip through actual pages. 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to read verses 11 through 13. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain. He's talking to Elijah. In the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. He was not in that wind. After the, the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. It's not in the noise of this world. It's in the whisper. It's in the voice of God. And if you're not hearing the voice of God, then you need to ask yourself, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? You've got to hear the voice of God. God says, I want to draw all men unto me. It is not me drawing you to this altar. It is not me drawing you to do this right here. It is not the words that I am saying. It is God's word that I am sharing. It's God's word that I am sharing with you. And so right now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if it's you today and you are feeling like there's more for me, there is more for me, I've got to have more. I want you to just raise your hand today. I want you to say, I've, I've got to have more. If there's, if, there's a, if there's one out there in the crowd, you just raise your hand high. Raise it high and say, Lord, I've got to have more. Thank you. There's, there's hands going up all over this place. There are many of us that want more. There's many of us. Thank you. You can lower your hand. You can lower your hand. I refuse to call out anybody in this place at this point and say, come up to this front those that raised your hand I'm not going to do that We've, I've done that before and it's, sometimes it's time for it and sometimes it's not but right now what I want to do is I want to open up the altars to everybody everybody
one of you, whether you raise your hand or not, I'm raising, I want you to come to the altar if you feel like you are in a desert dry place. And guess what? Grown men, here's another grown man right here. Grown men, let me tell you, this is a tough guy. This is a machinist. This guy is a machinist. He works in a hot factory. This guy right here, he's, he works in a hard, working, hot factory. It's grown men. And there's grown men that say, I gotta have more of God. I gotta have more of God. There's women here right now. You're great women of God. You love God, but you're saying, I'm in a desert place, I'm in a dry place. I've gotta have more of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you right now and we lift up your name. Father, let your Holy Spirit fall in this place. Father, let your Holy Spirit dwell amongst your people. Lord, we got to have a river of you flowing through us. we got to have the breath of God, the food. we got to have the drink. We've got to have it all in the name of Jesus. Right now, just begin to say it. Just say, Father, I need that living water. I need that living water.
And I ask you now, I encourage you to press through. Press through. Raise those hands a little higher. Let that voice scream out a little bit louder. Let yourself reach out to the real God. Let Him meet your real need. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, move. Father, move. Oh, the Lord is in this place now. He's working. He's moving. He's healing. He's restoring. Praise rise up. Those of you that are still in here, let's let our praise rise up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 